0: still fresh in our minds. Let's think about the power of the resurrection. One of the most passionate statements made by Paul, and one of my favorite passages in the Bible, is Philippians 3, 10 and 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death And so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection of the dead. The power of the resurrection existed in Christ. Resurrection was not just something that he advocated, or represented, or accomplished, it was part of his identity. He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The Bible describes nine people who were brought back to life. God raised Jesus. Elijah raised the son of the widow of Zarephath. Elisha Elisha, raised the son of the Shunammite woman. There was an Israelite man who was thrown into Elisha's tomb and brought back to life. Jesus raised the son of the widow of Nain, the daughter of Jairus, and of course Lazarus. Peter raised Tabitha, who's also called Dorcas, and Paul raised Eutychus. He was the young man who was perched on a windowsill and tumbled down three stories. He fell asleep because he was listening to Paul preach. That may be one reason we don't have any windows in this sanctuary. But the term resurrection can only truly be applied to Christ rising from the dead and to the rising of all the human dead before the last judgment. There is a difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Except for Jesus, all those who were raised from the dead were simply given a second chance. They were given the opportunity to resume their life here on earth. They were resuscitated. Now, resuscitation is more than CPR. Bear in mind that Lazarus has been dead for four days. That's beyond organ failure. We're getting into decay. And I think we can also assume that all nine of these people were also cured of whatever disease or accident or illness had felled them in the first place. Nevertheless, they were still subject to death. They would again get hungry, thirsty, tired and sick, they would again die and they would remain dead. None of that is true of Jesus. Christ's resurrected body was both similar to and different from his earlier earthly body. He could appear and disappear at will. He could enter locked rooms. He could cook and eat but he didn't seem to have to, and he could make himself recognizable or not. Mary Magdalene didn't know who he was. She thought he was the gardener until he said her name. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus talked to him for quite a while without having any idea who he was, not until he blessed and broke the bread. But then he disappeared. And Thomas didn't acknowledge him until he actually could touch him and touch the wounds. Jesus kept appearing after his resurrection for 40 days. These were not just Hollywood-style stunts. It was absolutely necessary that he demonstrate that he was alive and that he was not a ghost. He was both the old Jesus that they had known and loved, but he was also a new Jesus, transformed and resurrected And that resurrection has power. There was never any question of who held the power in heaven. But Christ's resurrection changed the balance of power here on earth. In Acts we read, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And in Romans... For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus conquered sin not only for himself, but he ultimately freed all of us from the inevitability of death. He said... I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. After 40 days, the resurrected Christ ascended into heaven where he was received and glorified by the Father. And that left the disciples. The power of the resurrection was exhibited. By the apostles, after Jesus was crucified, the disciples huddled together in fear. That began to change when the resurrected Christ appeared to them. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, "Peace, be with you." After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. But they didn't immediately begin proclaiming the good news. They barely spoke about it to each other. The most courageous thing they did was get out their boats and do a little bit of fishing. But Jesus didn't condemn them for their timidity. He told them to wait. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth resurrection power was conferred on the apostles with the coming of the holy spirit On Pentecost. The change was instantaneous and dramatic. Now, remember when Jesus was arrested, Peter was afraid to even admit to a servant girl that he had known Jesus or that he was even from Galilee. But now he was suddenly filled with courage and the ability to win hearts and minds, so he stood up and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, And all of you living in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was Peter's first sermon and some 3000 people accepted the message and were baptized. Moreover, God granted the disciples not only the courage and the willingness to preach the gospel. He authenticated their ministry with various signs and miracles. One day, Peter and John were on their way to the temple and they encountered a layman who was there. He was begging, and he looked at Peter and John hoping for a few coins. But Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the man jumped up, completely healed. He entered the courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The Jewish leaders were disturbed by this incident. And so they rounded up Peter and John and threw them in jail overnight And then they got them out and questioned them. Peter and John did not back down. They said, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This upset the Jewish leaders anymore, and so they commanded them never to speak or preach in the name of Jesus ever again. But Peter and John replied, Which is right, in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. So the disciples continued to preach. Many accepted their message and were saved. The church grew, and so did the persecution. According to tradition, all but one of the apostles were martyred. But the power of the resurrection could not be stopped. One of those trying to stop it was Saul of Tarsus. But later, the resurrection was of prime importance to Paul. He begins, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Paul, and then to the twelve, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, many of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. Last of all, he appeared to me. That's a tremendous understatement. Jesus knocked him down, blinded him, and shouted at him, Why are you persecuting me? Or perhaps, just what do you think you're doing? Resurrection power was evident in Paul's ministry. He became known as the apostle to the Gentiles and logged many miles as a preacher and a missionary. And God did tremendous miracles through Paul. Even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were laid on the sick and their diseases were cured and demons were cast out. The power of the resurrection gave Paul tremendous courage and strength. He certainly learned the meaning of the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He suffered criticism, ridicule, threats. He endured hardships, sleepless nights, and hungers. He endured beatings, imprisonment, riot, riots, stoning, and shipwrecks. He claimed that he could endure everything in the power of the Spirit and of God. And he proclaimed, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, unlike the early disciples, Paul was a scholar. He studied Greek and Hebrew and was very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. So perhaps Paul's greatest legacy to us is his theology of the resurrection. For him, the resurrection was crucial. If Christ wasn't raised, then we won't be raised. Our preaching is worthless. Your faith is useless. You're still in your sins. Those who have died are lost. This life only has meaning. And we are of all people the most to be pitied. But Christ was raised. For the most part, it may be enough for us to realize that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. But there are times when we need a deeper understanding, a little greater assurance. There is power in knowledge. So, from Paul, we get context and perspective. He says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. The last enemy to be defeated is death. From Paul we gain insight. He explains that we will all be changed. Describing the resurrected body as a physical one, similar to the present natural one organizationally, but radically different. God will take a perishable, dishonorable, weak, and sinful body and change it into one that is imperishable, glorious, and powerful, fit to live eternally with God. There will be continuity, but there will also be change. Eventually, Paul had to appear before the Sanhedrin and Felix and Festus, and he said, I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. Ultimately, he would die for his faith in the power of the resurrection. This slide is actually a misprint. I meant to type the power of the resurrection experienced by us, Then all four sections would begin with an EX. But I didn't change it. I'll let you decide. Do you think God wants us to experience resurrection power? Or to enjoy it? First, a couple of negatives. The power of the resurrection does not mean that we will all be able to perform miracles. For several years, I was the only EMT in the northern half of Morton County Morton County is in the extreme southwest corner of Kansas. It's adjacent to both Colorado and Oklahoma. While kneeling on a gravel country road, performing one-man CPR, and waiting for an ambulance driver dispatched from Elkhart to figure out the directions, abandoned irrigation well, section line road, cattle guard, it would have been marvelous if the unresponsive farmer had opened his eyes and said, Thank you. That's just what I needed. <laughs> but he didn't God called me to provide competent and compassionate emergency medical care where none had existed before. He did not call me to be a one-woman circus who would bring a lot of unwanted publicity and no lasting benefit to a rural community. Another second negative. Death must always precede resurrection. We cannot cling to our possessions, preferences, priorities, and plans for the future and then add a touch of Jesus like a cherry on a carefully constructed banana split. We have to be willing to toss that entire banana split down the garbage disposal and let God build what he wants to, to create a new life in us The psalmist sings, Create in me a new heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Only after dying to our old selves will we discover the power of the resurrection. So how do we experience resurrection power? Christ is the resurrection and the life, and life in Christ involves a dynamic relationship with him, we have power insofar as Christ dwells within us. As Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Freedom. Two weeks ago, Hink said, trust me, I try to write down everything that Hink says. So I quote, The purpose of God is to break the power of sin in the world so that people would know what it is to be free. So accept the freedom that his grace and mercy provides. Make use of that God-given power to overcome evil, to confess and repent of your sins, and to embrace the forgiveness offered by God. Hope, Peter writes... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Hope casts out fear. Fear of failure, fear of being alone, fear of dying. And hope breeds confidence. We can move forward believing that God will transform us and that we can fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives. His resurrection power gives us holy boldness to accept new challenges, proclaim his truth, And witness to those who've not yet experienced the birth of that living hope. Peace. Resurrection power enables us to stay calm when all around us is in chaos. To realize that what appears on the surface is not the sum total of reality. We have the assurance that God is in control, He will provide the strength and the spiritual resources we need to face every challenge. Because he lives, I am at peace. It is well with my soul. And joy. Christ's resurrection is not a one-time historical event. It's an ongoing reality that is manifest every day in the lives of those who have been born again. Nehemiah wrote, The joy of the Lord is your strength. We celebrated Easter Sunday last week, but the Easter joy continues for all eternity. So how do we experience resurrection power? A dynamic relationship with Christ, freedom, hope, confidence, peace, and joy. And now I'd like to amend something I said earlier. For this reason, I kneel before the Father